0: This week's podcast proudly brought to you by Kent Cartridge. See, I made the mistake of buying the cheapest shot shells I could find when I first started duck hunting, and I would literally I'd watch feathers fly off of birds as they gave me a middle finger and flew off unscathed. That's when I switched over to Kent, and I was bartending and waiting tables at the time in college, and money was tight. But Kent offered me a great product at a fair price, and I've never looked back. Of course, now we have. Uh, Fast Steel 2.0, they just released Fast Steel Plus for this upcoming season, and with Dove season on the horizon, we've got Steel Dove, and then Teal Steel for early Teal season. Whatever your shotgunning needs are for this fall, Kent has you covered. You can find all of their products at kentcartridge.com. This week's show brought to you by Ducks Unlimited, an organization that I've been plugged into for, gosh, over 15 years now. From the Alaskan wilderness to the Atlantic Flyway, across America's Great Plains, and down the Mississippi Delta, Ducks Unlimited has been leading the way in wetlands conservation since 1937. The DU family has ensured the protection of over 16 million acres of waterfowl habitat. Think about that. So, come join us. You too can carry on DU's conservation legacy. Visit ducks.org to find your local event and join our volunteer team, Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands conservation. It's New Year's Day here on the border. And it's always been this way. I never do the things I order. I think I'll stay. It's New Year's Day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. And a happy 2024. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 707 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So, appreciate you spending a part of the new year with me more than you know. uh, We've got a great show lined up for you today, and I'll tell you all about it momentarily. Uh, But first, hopefully you all had a chance to get out over the, uh, the Christmas holidays. Jojo and I were able to uh, sneak out to the deer lease one time last week and uh, duck hunt once, and I was able to do a little deer hunting as well. As the season is is really starting to wind down, uh, I am taking Henry to South Texas though. Uh, they don't close till the twenty first, I think, but uh, we're going down there in a couple weeks to try to get him a a management eight point. But yeah, other than that, uh, it'll be all ducks for the next month, and uh, you know, then it's trade show season. Actually, that kicks off this month too, uh, but I opted out of one of them to, to go hunting. Oh, and then I uh, have a uh, an annual thermal hog hunt slash duck hunt with my Missouri friends. They always come down to uh, Pavor Outdoors and Seymour, and we spend three days hammering the pigs and uh, chasing puddle ducks. That's always one of the hunts I look forward to the most each year, and I actually missed that one last year. They came. I unfortunately was double booked, much to my own negligence, and ended up, uh, I was in Sonora hunting mule deer. Looking forward to that long weekend with the Missouri boys, and then, oh yeah, oh yeah, don't forget, you've still got, well, this is your last chance, because we are going to draw the winner on uh, January 5th, so if you want to join or renew your SCI membership, because this is a big one, and this is the last weekend of waterfowl season, uh, but The winner will join me down at the Pipkin Ranch for a two-day, two-night, fully guided, fully outfitted lodging, food, drinks, the whole nine yards uh, at the Pipkin Ranch on the Texas coast, famous waterfowl migration uh, flyway down there on the coast, and we're going to get into uh, all kinds of of puddlers, probably redheads as well, Uh, pintails, teal, the usual gadwalls, wigeon. That winter along the Texas coast, there. Uh, but yeah, all you need to do is either join SCI; it's sixty-five dollars for the year, or you can renew your membership, or you can gift membership to a friend. And all you do is use the promo code Cable Twenty Three when you uh, renew, join, or gift a membership. Sixty-five bucks. Oh, and that code, by the way, it gets you twenty-five percent off of the sixty-five dollars, and you're automatically entered. Into the sweepstakes for the chance to join myself and my good buddy Ryan Warhola down on the Texas coast, as he was nice enough to donate that hunt. Uh, so yeah, join, or renew, use that promo code Cable Twenty Three over at SafariClub.org, and uh, maybe we'll go duck hunting. As far as today's show, what are we doing? Uh, let me tell you. You know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee. Out of granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos, because we're ready to rock and roll, and joining us for the duration, one of my favorite guests, a a longtime friend of the show, renowned reporter, blogger, and District of Conservation podcast host, Gabriella Huffman, makes her return. And we've got much to discuss, everything from a prominent uh, news publication claiming through some insidious headline that uh, hunters are responsible for, quote, ruining the environment. I want to see how they uh, back that ridiculous claim up. Uh, Also, the animal rights wackos are all up in arms in Florida as they try to prevent the uh, Sunshine State from passing a right to hunt and fish amendment. We already have that in Texas. I was surprised Florida does not. And then what about the term rewilding? Uh, What does that mean and, and does it have a place in sustainable use hunting? Uh, because that's that's one that uh, I'm hearing a lot right now. And then I think um, we might get into, if we have time, the tale of a very famous Virginia buck that was recently poached in a cemetery. Uh, and then the guy that shot it was dumb enough to post it online. So uh, Gabby will give us the details on uh, the cemetery buck, the very famous Virginia buck, here coming up at the bottom of the hour. That's what's on the docket for today. Uh, let's do a quick giveaway. How about, uh, let's do this one for the kiddos out there. Uh, you try to win this for your kids because it is the Vortex Bantam 6.5 by 32 binos. the first optic that Vortex ever designed specifically for the youth hunter. And I think they retailed for like $70. bucks. we will throw in a Vortex mug and a Vortex cap as well. So, Bantam HD youth binoculars mug cap uh, all you need to do is email the word conservation that's conservation to lone star outdoors show at gmail.com and you are entered into today's vortex giveaway coming up next gabriella huffman joins us right here on the lone star outdoors show
1: Houston, I can get there
0: by dawn the plenty stuff in that city to get something
1: good
0: going on then I want to keep on coming, but
1: she don't want me around Cause she stole my heart, killed my pride As my very
0: own Adam Hood bringing us back on SCI's no, Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. And we're about to check in with our good friend, uh, District of Conservation host, Gabriella Hoffman. But before we do that, this segment is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Maybe you didn't get what you asked for this holiday season. Maybe grandma got it all wrong. Uh, But here's the thing. Whether you're looking for the latest Vortex apparel or a new optic, I've got a discount code for each. I can get you 20% off of all of Vortex's apparel um, from flannel shirts to uh, hiking pants, you name it. Uh, Hunter Orange, they've got that, plus all of their T-shirts and hoodies and caps that they're known for. But yeah, promo code is LoneStar20 for that. And then if you are shopping for an optic, head over to EuroOptic.com, use the promo code LoneStar10, and you can save 10% off of any Vortex optic. That's uh, a rifle scope, binos, rangefinder, spotter, you name it. Uh, Rings, mounts, all that stuff. Uh, And that's, again, over at EuroOptic.com. Okay, well let's bring her on right now joining us from the Washington DC, the greater DC area. She's actually in Virginia. It's my pleasure to welcome Gabriella Hoffman back to the show.
1: Good to be back, Cable.
0: Yes, indeed. How was your uh, how was your fall hunting season? Did you get a chance to get out at all?
1: I did. I got one opportunity at a friend's lease in a nearby county, Loudoun County, which was which is stacked with deer. We have a lot mm-hmm. of deer. A million deer in Virginia, as your listeners probably know. And it was my dad's first time hunting officially, so I I, cool. I got him to be in a stand, officially, and and get to kind of experience what it is and and uh, what his beak a little bit in hunting. And we did see one doe, but we were not successful, and that's okay. And and I'm very happy that he finally got and cracked like his first hunting opportunity. He's done a lot of field processing in the past. He's really good with meat. And he has um, had some experience, you know, doing some moose hunting back in the old country and what was, mm-hmm. you know, former Soviet Union. But he's never really, you know, had a chance to to pull the trigger on an animal and get the full well-rounded experience. So I wanted to gift him that this year and we'll have more opportunities. But the reason why we weren't successful um, because there was like a limited presence of deer I, I think they were largely scared because there have been coyotes creeping into loudon mm. county and northern virginia a lot more i just saw a coyote in my backyard this past weekend believe it or not I, I think i tagged you um in the post And this poor creature had mange and something else too it didn't look i don't know where it happened oh, yeah. uh, it, it well, if, if
0: they're out in broad daylight and they're not yeah. afraid of people yeah uh, typically they're sick and mange is like the easiest yeah you know, sign and be like, oh, that's right. That so there was
1: no mangy coyotes in where we were hunting, but there was one in my backyard here close to the city. Yeah. Um, but coyotes have started to kind of displace red foxes and they've kind of emerged as this predator. And as anyone knows who hunts close to the city, um, that can often, you know, make your hunting not so successful but we still got to enjoy it you know and i may get some opportunities what do you think about
0: red fox though they're not a native species
1: no no i mean um
0: they've been here a long time but much yeah. like pheasant you know people don't yeah. realize like yeah hey pheasant is native to like uh china, china. yeah mm-hmm. so um
1: since i, I- I don't live in an agriculture area personally. I don't mind them. I do mind them. However, when my friends are impacted by them in yeah. my County is ridiculous. They wouldn't allow us to trap them anyway. So it's not like me conceding that, Oh, you know, we have to give in to you know, just letting them be unfurled and to flourish, but I can't manage them. So I'm partly mm-hmm. limited, but I do support of course, management of them um, elsewhere. And, and their fur is beautiful. I'm not opposed oh, to trapping. Yeah. Um, So we can appreciate them, but we also have to realize that they have to be managed. So I've um, seen red fox,
0: you know, I've never shot one. Um, I would mm, love to get one mounted like a beautiful red fox. Yeah. They're, they're stunning. I've shot a pile of gray fox. We have so many yeah. gray fox in Texas, but uh, yeah, they're, uh, they, it, and especially since they're invasive, like I'm not saying let's wipe them out by any stretch no, no, of no, imagination, no. but yeah, let's, let's manage them just like we manage everything else. You know, there needs to be a season and, and trapping is such a, a lost art these days. It's, it is. These, these anti hunters, These these anti, you know, these these animal rights activists think that everyone's is going to go out and start trapping. There's Hmm. so few people that trap these days. It's it barely makes a difference.
1: It is important, though. I was actually at the Congressional Sportsman Foundation National Legislator Summit in Delaware, and Mm -hmm. we had some trappers present from two of the most renowned groups in the country. And they gave a warning to everyone in attendance. They said, we're the first pick. In terms of targets, oh, yeah. like once they go after us and they have successfully gone after us, then they'll go after all of you, those of you who don't think mm-hmm. your type of hunting is off limits. Mm-hmm. And Predator actually... hunting
0: the next yep. lowest hanging fruit.
1: Yep, yeah. yep. And they also mentioned actually, interestingly enough, and maybe you've heard this from trappers you know and speak to, but they said that actually, because of dwindling turkey numbers here in the southeast, in, in the mid-Atlantic and also in the south, They have been called more often to help uh, do a lot of predator management in the area. So maybe tying it to keeping turkey numbers healthy um, could be a way to insert the conversation about endorsing and elevating trapping and and, and those methods. And they were showing us like all the different tools and how it's not inhumane and, and that the tools are actually not supposed to enact, you know, if it's meant to like, you know, D- deter a, a a predator it it will but it's not like what they show in the movies what disney portrays and and they show the technology yeah. and demystify it a lot so i think it's just a matter of more people being introduced to this industry more and seeing that it's not as dangerous or or ugly as it's portrayed and it's very quick the death is very quick for the animal that they're trying to target and um with all these predators starting to kind of take over city spaces attacking pets and and other you know domestic animals I would think people here would warm up to the idea of trapping um, and especially people who like birds, you know, turkeys, for instance, you want to see wild turkeys, you should support predator management too. Mm
0: -hmm. I was 37 when I caught my first fur bearer or coyote and I would put it up there with like my top five achievements in hunting. It's not one that I look back on and uh, frequently, but as far as like most difficult things to do, yeah that was uh that's not easy to because these are smart animals mm-hmm. and you have to really worry about your scent control and everything has to be perfect and i caught it in a leg hold some people might say that's inhumane i don't care um it's a time-honored tradition and one that i will fight to defend and but yeah i i, I really enjoy trapping uh so much so that i spent a week in british columbia doing uh, just that uh, in the snow on you know with with a couple brothers and uh, and that's how I learned how to trap a coyote. but uh, it's a
1: necessary tool. and yeah. I think we're gonna hopefully see maybe a changing tune on it in 2024. like I said, I hope uh, the sportsmen's groups kind of use this argument if you want to preserve turkey or upland birds or whatever mm-hmm. might be targeted by foxes and coyotes this is the answer and and so i think people are warming up to the idea more and and accepting it as a form of management
0: well and take it a step further you look at our our um, waterfowl and on the nesting grounds you know uh, the the biggest nest predators are often raccoons and skunks mm-hmm. and they get a free pass because you know a raccoon pelt is it it used to be worth a lot of money now you know it's worth like negative money by the time you've skinned it out. Like Mm -hmm. you've essentially wasted your time. And so no one's trapping them and yet they're decimating our waterfowl nests. Um, so yeah, I think there's a, a lot of value and, and, you know, agricultural practices have changed too, right? So Mm -hmm. there's more of these animals on the landscape and there's less people, uh, limiting their population. So it's a recipe for disaster really. Well, let's do this. And I know that was a short segment, but we've got a lot to get into. And uh, I want to pick it back up after the break because someone had the gall to say you weren't qualified to talk on uh, conservation-related, Second Amendment-related topics because of your gender, which obviously was utterly absurd. Uh, But we'll we'll talk about that situation and then the possibility of the uh, suppressor tax stamp. Those monies being redirected towards conservation. There's some uh, legislation on the table that could further that initiative, which I think would be a great thing. Uh, You're well versed on that. So uh, we'll get down to the bottom of that as well. That segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the Deceptor wireless camera. I've got three or four of them out at various leases across Texas and Oklahoma, and when you talk about nighttime imaging, because it's so frustrating to be going through, you know, getting good daytime images, a buck goes nocturnal, and the images stink. You can't even tell what buck it is because the quality is so bad. The Deceptor shines right here. It's got the No-Glow technology. It is, It offers the best nighttime imaging on the market, and uh, you can pick one up over at StealthCam.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor show. Never Let me tell you about the Armorsight 640 contractor. It is the industry leading thermal technology in a very user friendly rifle scope. A 640 Armor Core 12 micro made in the USA Thermal Core. It's got a four hour onboard recording, four hour runtime on a full charge, USB and Wi Fi streaming, uh, eight user selectable reticles and six color palettes, and the most user friendly interface out there because you're operating these things in the dark, so uh, that's very important. You can find the contractor, the 640, or it's little brother, the 320, right there, Eat steak, eat steak, eat a big old steer, eat steak, eat steak, do we have one deer? Beep, 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 it's a mighty good food, it's a great ape meal when I'm in the mood. Cowposts come from a near farm, when you throw a few to the on the farm, Roberta Duran. <laughs> That's five. the Reverend Horton Heat. eat steak, bring us back. On SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. I do love a good steak, uh, whether that's a wild game or of the beef variety. I could care less. Put red meat in front of me. Make sure it's medium rare. I don't want that stuff burned. Uh, and I'm a happy man. <sighs> no doubt about that. This segment of the show. Proudly brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants and Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Uh, you can find Josh and Becky Gunther, my longtime taxidermist. You can find their website over at gr8mounts.com for your next trophy mount. And with that being said, uh, let's pick it back up with our good friend, Gabriella Hoffman of the District of Conservation podcast. You know what, Gabby, I typically don't have female guests on the show due to their inferior intellect. Uh, I'm kidding, of course, but uh, <laughs> that's actually what someone said to you recently for your pro 2A and pro conservation values. Uh, yes. I couldn't believe that. Was it a tweet? You it was a, a tweet. Yeah, that's <laughs> what a mor- moron.
1: Sure. Well, we unfortunately have to deal with our fair share of FUDs
0: Mm-hmm. So In, there's a reason why women live longer than us. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> is because well, it, they're stupid.
1: <laughs> well, it 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 takes a lot to really anger me. As you know, mm-hmm. you've met me now, and and I'm pretty easygoing. I'm not easily yeah. offended. I'm conservative. You know, I don't I don't get easily offended. And I, yeah. I wasn't trying to showcase like I'm so fragile. That that's not what I was trying to show. Um, but it was over support of the the new suppressor bill. And Mm -hmm. so like everyone else who supports the second amendment, ideally I would love the national firearms act stamp for a suppressor, the $200 fee. I would love that to eventually go away right Right now with the dynamics that we have politically, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. And so a good measure that has been uh, introduced is a bill. uh, It actually is bipartisan um, from one Utah Congressman and actually someone who wants to ban modern sporting rifles, oddly enough, Jared golden. This is actually a good effort from him. I don't agree with his trajectory in terms of reneging on modern sporting rifles. He changed his tune following the horrific mass shooting. I don't think that's a reason to change your position right. um, on the contrary, but he and um, this other Congressman from Utah, who is a, a good stalwart conservationist have thought that uh, maybe instead of just having this, you know, stamp from suppressors, not go anywhere. Why don't we divvy up those monies and send the majority portion of it? I think it's 85% to Pittman Robertson which does Mm -hmm. great work, of course, to bolster conservation numbers and rehabilitate species and improve habitats, support hunters' education, improve target shooting ranges. And then 15% would go to the ATF. I think it's a pretty reasonable position. And Mm -hmm. so there are some people in our movement, so to speak, who want to abolish Pittman-Robertson altogether. They think it's an infringement on the Second Amendment. Some have. I think this guy was going back and forth with me, saying the Bruin decision would actually invite the repealing of Pittman-Robertson. I've never seen such support for that yeah.
0: <laughs> position. I think Andrew Clyde, uh, Representative Clyde of Georgia, the Return Act. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, definitely a misstep by him, and one. And he's been on the show because he is an adamant, you know, supporter of the Second Amendment and the whole pistol brace thing. You know, he's really taken that. Uh, he's he's spearheaded that uh, effort. Which I absolutely applaud. I mean, it makes no sense. We shouldn't be banning pistol braces. Um, but then on you know the flip side, he's trying to uh, abolish the Pittman-Robertson Act. So I uh, certainly have great issue with him there. The Pittman-Robertson Act, I believe the dollar amount today in 2023 is up to $27 billion mm-hmm. since its inception in 1937. That's the amount of funding it's provided for wildlife in the wild places that uh, we as hunters and conservationists um love and, and want to protect so that would be awesome if the if the because i hate the tax stamp you know like i i own suppressors i want to buy more Every
1: time it should like, be Damn. easier to get them to yeah. and and the caveat with this proposal is that it actually would reduce wait times, and and ATF has said we don't know if they're going to uphold this honor. They've mm. said that they're going to eventually reduce it over the course of a few years to maybe what ninety days, maybe right. sixty days. I think ninety days was the, the threshold part of that this they promised.
0: Amendment or this, uh, it's not amendment. But this not proposal. exactly
1: that specific time frame, but they said it's okay. going to shorten wait times uh-huh. okay. with this. Where, so they where does stack the money go that? now?
0: Like, does do we know? Where, it just
1: where, sits where? in Treasury and it doesn't go anywhere. Okay, Treasury Department. So. I put this out there. It goes, um, to,
0: it goes to Ukraine, probably.
1: <laughs> it, could, it could go to different <laughs> conflicts. Who knows? The Treasury is not a good steward of our money in many right. cases. Um, outside of you know foreign conflicts, they waste a lot of money. But the I would say the one area where they probably steward the money, because Pittman-Robertson is collected by the Treasury Department, then it goes back to Department of Interior to then be dispersed to the states, of course, according to number of licenses and land area in each individual state. So every state gets a different amount of money. And actually that $27 billion figure you mentioned actually also includes Dingle Johnson too. But the, the majority of that is from Pittman Robertson, but in total, uh, total conservation since the 1930s, 1937, including both Dingle Johnson, Pittman Robertson has been 27 billion. So I pointed that out. I said this was a good bill, you know, in the interim until we can ideally get rid of the NFA tax. And this person was like, oh, women sh- like you, this is why women, you know, are so wrong with everything and we yeah. can't win anything. And I'm like, really, buddy? Come on. So I was like, this this is not an unintelligent position. You look at polling. It's an intelligent
0: about- position. And a lot <laughs> of times, and I will say more people are intimidated by women that can have their own opinions and think for themselves.
1: This guy is not a lefter. A left winger though. He's he claims to be a rightist, but mm. there some, like I said, some of these people who want to abolish Pittman Robertson from the right um are no different sometimes from the left, but they have different reasonings for wanting to get rid of it. The left mm. wants to get rid of Pittman Robertson because they think it's bloodlust funding, conservation funding. And then the right Great. claims that Where's this Where's is- your
0: conservation <laughs> uh, initiative where you're going to replace it? Right? Well it doesn't exist. There isn't anything. So shut no. the hell up. Right. <laughs> right.
1: So, unfortunately, Andrew Clyde's bill in has invited a lot of this discussion mm-hmm. and misinformation about PR. And when I was at this Delaware summit, I was clued into much like the rest of the attendees the the level of acceptance of PR. PR is a very popular measure. I don't see any polling indicating that support for it would change anytime soon. One tax, you know, policy outfit assessed like the popularity of it and said this was actually one of the few times an excise tax the excise tax regiment, regime was used effectively and good, and, and people saw where those monies go to. Could it be implemented better? Of course. You know, Some state wildlife agencies don't use it to their full potential. That's certainly a shortcoming. But I would say I am trusting of my agency, and I think most of us are, to, to steward those monies well. And we're not seeing the state agencies wasting it on woke stuff or, mm-hmm. or things that are extraneous um, from their mission statement. Maybe the more blue states where they're trying to reimagine wildlife management decisions that mo- those monies may not be stewarded as well. I don't know if, if there's been any kind of uh, disruption to the flow of money and, and where it's, you know, appropriated to and, and uh, allocated to rather, I'm in the States, but so far they, they steward the money. Well, there's no complaints and it has like high seventies, low eighties approval. So I don't know why people are harping on this. Um, And and nobody in the gun industry, to my knowledge, Cable, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know any manufacturer, firearm or ammunition, who says, yeah, let's get rid of Pittman-Robertson. I don't see NSSF. No. I don't see Smith & Wesson. I don't see any major company saying, yes, we have to abolish this. If, if right. they start to change their tune on Pittman-Robertson, then maybe we can have a conversation how, about, how about the we stuff.
0: abolish the ATF, right? I mean, that would be the <laughs> first thing to do, not uh, not Pittman-Robertson. So, for me, like, I think this is a, I have no problem buying a hunting license. Some people are like, ah, oh, it should be free. Uh, you know, no, you need they're, they're going back Public to that money, where's the where's the imaginary money tree that's going to fund all this there isn't one so mm-hmm. okay so we have to step up and do it we we've been doing it since 1937 um and i have no problem buying a hunting license or a duck stamp or if you told me that yeah 200 dollars is a lot of money but if you could say but hey 85 percent of it's going back into funding the things that i care about the most then i'm like eh, it's a tough pill to swallow but you know okay uh, ideally, we just do away with it um, and continue on with Pittman-Robertson as is. But um, yeah, if you had to pay the 200 bucks, that would be a good place for the funding to go to, uh, in my opinion. But we'll see how that plays out. And is this something that is going to be... Um, like? W- where is this in the legal process currently?
1: It was just introduced. And okay. as everyone knows, Congress is very divided mm-hmm. and the likelihood... I don't know if this is going to pass because anything relating to suppressors, I think we were on the cusp of having some movement on suppressor deregulation. And then, unfortunately, the Vegas shooting happened and then all discussions stopped. Yeah. And so efforts to kind of streamline the suppressor process have been discussed on a perennial and yearly basis. So it's not going away. And I think... As it's presented maybe in this form, maybe that's how we can get people who may be reluctant about suppressor deregulation to learn about it, to educate themselves on it. I don't know what the American Suppressor Association has said of this bill. I don't know if they're weighing in on it. Um, but, you know, people they typically work with have applauded this bill, for the, mm-hmm. like I said, in the interim. Um, so the likelihood, I'm not sure it's going to pass, but it's, it's a good bill. I, I don't have any questions with it. And if it can streamline the process to obtain a suppressor, I'm all ears.
0: For sure. For sure. Um, well, moving on to our next point here, I, I, I'm sure we'll get into this Newsweek article, but uh, essentially the, the idea behind it is this term rewilding. And yeah. it's a term that I think has become popular really just recently. When I first started really hearing it was about the time Deb Haaland was appointed Secretary of Interior by Biden, where you have this this crossroad where you have to come to the realization that preservation is not conservation, letting everything just do its own thing without any type of management is not a successful conservation strategy, it, it will fail. And um, but but that's when we started hearing about this term and then the newsweek article. And let me, let me pull it up here uh, because there were some interesting things that were included in that. And uh, let's see. Scientists have warned that a strong focus on hunting instead of rewilding key species is reinforcing, is reinforcing biodiversity loss. Hmm. Uh, Here's one from bioscience that you also included in your post. Um, this is the american institute of biological sciences the role of governance in rewilding the united states to this to stem the biodiversity crisis so we're in a crisis i didn't know we were in a crisis did you here's an idea why don't we look around the rest of the planet we are rewilded already like we have like that's the thing i don't like this term rewilding is such a crock of crap because the united states of america has the best wildlife on the planet We protect. uh, We just relisted, uh, or I don't know if wolverines were ever on the endangered species list, but we just put them on there. They said, "Okay, there's 300 left in the lower 48." I've killed a wolverine. A wolverine. I trapped it in British Columbia. There's a lot of wolverines in British Columbia. Am I for protecting them in the lower 48? Sure. Like if science says we need to protect them, protect them. But like we are doing a damn fine job in this country um, of protecting our species and the wild places to the extent that we can, where they live, where they exist. I look around, I'm like, we're pretty damn rewilded. You just said you saw a coyote in your backyard. Like, what What do these people
1: want? I think they want these apex predators and charismatic megafauna to retake c- civilization. I think that's their goal. Yeah. Without understanding that that means they will be displaced from the landscape. And yes, you're correct about this term rewilding because this has been part of the lingo of preservation is actually for a really long time. This rewilding movement has mm-hmm. been proposed for, I would say at least openly they've talked about it for decades, but it's started to reemerge, like you said, and now they've found and honed in on hunters as a scapegoat for this biodiversity loss, but actually yeah. we're not the perpetrators of this. Maybe it's overdevelopment or perhaps it's, you know, countries that have terrible environmental footprints in continents, not in North America that are, you know, displacing animals and and uh not having a management system in place and when i was looking at the study i wanted to see who was funding it and i i looked at the groups one of them was something from the northeast and they talk about rewilding and they have like leases that allow you to hunt and fish great sounds great um but are they like a leading conservation organization like an SEI or an rmef or a national wild turkey federation no and then there were a couple others who cling to this rewilding movement as well. And I was also looking at the researchers and and not every scientist or biologist agrees with this kind of reimagining of wildlife management. So they're mm-hmm. from the school, much similar to the group we've talked about before, the wildlife for all types who want to mm-hmm. divorce hunters and anglers from conservation management mm-hmm. decisions. So here's they the come title, from the school- by the way. Oh, yeah.
0: I forgot to read this so that the title of the actual Newsweek article by Robin White Scientists warn American promotion of hunting is ruining the environment. (laughs) Hunting is ruining the environment. (laughs) Think about that. How idiotic these people are.
1: I don't know where they get the support for this because... Hunting's
0: responsible for climate change now, right? Like, what in the hell are you talking about?
1: Well, actually, you were talking about the Wolverine. (laughs) table and they were citing climate change as a reason for listing the wolverine as a threatened species mm-hmm. and my understanding of the endangered species act is you have to base your findings on number of population not kind of this extraneous like factor and yeah. actually there was a great letter from the montana delegation senator danes uh ryan zinke and matt rosendale that said that bad or wolverines not badgers wolverines are very climate resilient they can move and they're very adaptable uh especially during the winter months it's a great letter i encourage your listeners to read oh. it and, and take a look at it so they actually were able to hit back at the reasoning behind the listing um you know if, if it was based on the number of individuals of w- wolverines that would make more sense right but it seems to me like they're doing similar measures to like what they do with the grizzly bear um the politicization of that listing and similar to that the gray wolf as well why and and it goes back to this rewilding stuff so yeah. the argument no
0: I- british columbia rewilded the grizzly bear you know yeah. they uh they banned that like the the guys that i did the trapline trip with gosh this is five or six years ago when they and it was a complete political ploy they mm-hmm. they have um unlike here where we really have two political parties they have more parties and then to get what they want they they, they form alliances so they had mm-hmm. to get a couple votes from the green party to go along with whatever party and then then they're like yeah so we're gonna ban grizzly bear hunting well you know what has happened in british columbia more people are getting killed by grizzlies
1: <laughs> That's to be expected unfortunately rise of human bear conflicts and, and going back to the rewilding portion um, if i may the reason why the stipulation for keeping the grizzly bear in the Yellowstone ecosystem in perpetuity listed on the ESA was justified to help restore them to their historic ranges. That's the same argument made by Rewalders. Mm. We will not delist anything. We should. The science says in their mind that nothing should be delisted and managed by the states or removed from the ESA until that species in question, all of the subspecies too, not just this individual segment, but Uh, All subspecies of grizzly bears in their thinking have to be restored to their historic range. And when you hear that, even if you're not a biologist and you don't need to be a biologist to understand this, but this is common sense. When you hear them make the argument that this bear or this species won't be delisted until it's restored to its historic range from pre-settlement America, that means the bear will never be delisted and that they have unrealistic um, thresholds that want to be met. The
0: grizzly is not coming back to Texas, y'all. <laughs> Let's hate hope to not. be the bearer of bad news, but a grizzly is not coming back to Texas. It's uh, it's ninety-seven percent privately owned. You think the landowners will be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would lo- bring them. We want grizzlies on our four hundred acres. That sounds like a great idea.
1: Maybe no. you guys will get jaguars from Arizona, or and that's Mexico. another <laughs> stupid
0: thing too. Because jaguars, like, just because they existed in a place at one time, you. Texas is the, like, northernmost, it's fringe habitat. It's fringe. So, like, yes, you get stragglers here and there. It wasn't like we had this robust jaguar population in Texas. It was always the northernmost part of their historical range. Like, it's not the best habitat for them. That's why they are just here occasionally. Neither is Arizona, for that matter. Like, that's, that's fringe habitat for them. So, yeah, like, you're never going to restore them to a place where they struggled to, you know, scratch out a living anyway. But people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear the truth. But, uh, yeah, so the 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 um, Endangered Species Act has historically been hijacked by these people. That's what it is. Now it's just hijacked in perpetuity. So we have these grizzlies that scientists, biologists have said, you know what, we need to have a hunt. Actually, Wyoming had drawn the hunters. They were yep. having the hunt. And then some circuit court judge got it shut down. Um and uh, that was that was before I ha- was in this studio, so that was six seven years ago.
1: Twenty eighteen, um, I think, delisted in twenty seventeen, yeah. approved in eighteen, and then um, I because I, I got an award on this this topic. Oh wow! I got my award in uh twenty nineteen. So yes, it was it was supposed to be fall twenty eighteen, and and the stipulations were very clear. Anyone who could read this would understand that it would be either two sows, if you were lucky, as long as she didn't have cubs, mm-hmm. and then. I think it was up to 23 male grizzlies. Yeah, And definitely. so, and, and as anyone knows, I, I don't have an interest to grizzly bear hunt, but I do want to get a black bear, but even my not wanting to get a grizzly, because they're very expensive to hunt, of course. Yeah. Um, And I don't have a desire to do it personally. I want others to do it. That hunt is extremely difficult from what all my friends who have done grizzly bear hunting or bear hunting have told me. It's extremely difficult. They're very smart. They will outsmart you um and and you'll likely find them when you're not hunting when you're hiking or doing yeah. you know non hunting activities so they're very smart and to hunt them is extremely difficult and so the the hunt could have been done if let's say two people had gotten sows like i said sans cubs or if you know all 23 or 20 some odd you know male bears grizzly bears would have been harvested that seems impossible um to do that because their range is so big uh, especially in that gye territory and and again, like I said, going back to this rewilding argument, we've seen this rewilding language creeped up into this decision. Again, um, after they put this bear back on the ESA, that's when they said, yes. Okay. Our, our new report says that until we can restore not only this segment of GYE bear, but five other subs lower 48 subspecies back to their historic range, then we could delist. So that means Mm -hmm. that they're never, they're never going to delist it. They're not following the science. And, and we're actually coming up on 50 years of the ESA, we should be celebrating, but I, I don't think I can really celebrate much because only 3% of listed species have been successfully delisted. And then we see these animal rights groups just continue to make money. This is their bread and butter. If if this pipeline were to be removed, they wouldn't be making money. If, if the science was actually followed, they would be out of business. But because mm-hmm. of certain levers and and like you said, hijacking of certain laws, not only the ESA, but the Equal Access to Justice Act, which is a law... That is supposed to help individuals recoup money from the government for misdeeds, but now environmental groups have done it to recoup very hefty fees for their lawyers, um, right. who they have sue. You know, they they sue the um, Department of Interior, Fish and Wildlife Service. They were suing, really, a skip with David Bernhardt, Ryan Zinke. I don't even know how many times, but so many lawsuits were were filed. That's the
0: most ridiculous thing about it is that we have to pay for their attorneys when they sue. Yeah, us.
1: it's taxpayer money. Mm-hmm and so that that certainly needs to be shown. So it's it's these people with this frame of mind who are trying to tell us the hunters and the other conservationists the true conservationists that we're the ones responsible for decimating wildlife and flora and fauna. And we have to beg to differ and and the evidence shows we're not because all of those monies not only are they going to restore habitat and 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 species they're going to help you know everything on the on the in terms of what is connected. So as, as more monies are pumped to restore the species or habitats, everything else benefits. So why would we want to destroy yeah. that, which we enjoy? Like, it makes no sense. And and we yeah. could refute this with the money numbers, with the statistics and, and all that. So it, it was really a silly study to publish. Anyone can, can create a study. You can have backers, you can, you know, go through the scientific method and and reach a very foolish conclusion. Um and, and have evidence to back it up. Someone else similarly, or maybe like a a hunting outfit, or maybe NSSF. They could have hired you know and other backers. They could have commissioned their own study. Um, they do this all the time with Southwick Associates and, and other you know polling firms that they do. So we could have done this. People we know, an Army F or SEI could have commissioned their own study and actually found the opposite conclusion to. So the the Would threshold
0: publish it in Newsweek though because that's a major no. publication. Right. And it's just another example of how the left and the antis use, um, their influence and control over, you know, they have most of the, the media outlets, the news outlets, uh, and also social media. And they use that to their advantage. They're not stupid. Um, we have a few on the other side, but, uh, you know, it's, we're fighting tooth and nail to make sure that the truth is heard. And, uh, and that's why this show exists and why you do what you do. Um, because it's not a fight that I'm willing to give up. All hope is lost if that. Because it, it it's a lot bigger than just hunting. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh let's continue with this conversation after the break, Gabby. That segment was brought to you by Numa Outdoors and the Alpha Vertex pants and jacket. It's designed for stealth mode, really with the bow hunter in mind or if you're doing a lot of spot and stalking. And it's like a midweight system. Uh if you're walking around, you're not going to get too hot, you're not going to be sweating, but you're also not going to be freezing sitting there in a tree stand. You can find the Alpha Vertex as well as NUMA's entire lineup of outdoor apparel right there at NUMA, that's P-N-U-M-A, NUMAoutdoors.com. Save 20% with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show.
1: When she was born in the morning, late October, now oh, she's every girl I've ever known. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use e-forms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started.
0: And if you wonder where my heart is when I'm out on the road lord I right at home lifted on it just for you
1: to hold and if you wonder how I'm doing know that I am doing fine but I wish I was in Virginia on the Russell County line
0: Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. That's the music of Winchester 49, bringing us back here. Uh, thanks to Mossberg, our presenting sponsor. Thanks to you guys for being here. We're still visiting with my good friend and reporter, uh, writer, contributor, podcast host, you name it. Uh, she's probably got her toes in it, but uh, Gabriela Hoffman of the District of Conservation um, and we'll get back into that in just a sec. This segment, though, is brought to you by the All Seasons Feeders Silverback Cargo Carrier. I used to have like a, I think it was a Cabela's brand one, and it was twice as heavy and half as big. This one, the Silverback, is made of aluminum. I actually backed into a tree at Elk Camp in New Mexico. Uh, yeah, it didn't, it, it hurt the tree. The, the cargo carrier was just fine. I absolutely love this thing, and it only weighs 44 pounds, so light enough for me to manhandle it myself one person job. You can find the Silverback at allseasonsfeeders.com. All right, well, let's pick it back up with Gabby. Um, and you know, we were we referenced the Newsweek article. I'm not sure if I read the title, but I want to now because I want to make it very clear to the listener th- I, that there is no limit to the depths that the other side will go to in order to paint you in a negative light that is based unequivocally on lies. So here we go. Here's the uh, here's the title. Scientists warn American promotion of hunting is ruining the environment. Think about that—that
1: that we're despoilers of the environment. We are.
0: <laughs> we are as hunters and con- we're. Con- I'm a hunter conservationist, right? Like as Sportsman's Alliance coined the term "huntervationist."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's a great term. And, uh, and then you have a major publication like Newsweek put that filth out there. It's just uh, you know it's an uphill battle. It's 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 a constant battle. You know, education is the key uh, for anyone that is on the fence that doesn't hunt but we can be like but you know here's here are the facts if you want to listen to them the facts are available it's just that do you want to be swept up in this woke ass propaganda uh or not it's your choice but we have to keep fighting it every day moving on to florida and this is from a piece in the sun sentinel going against the proposed amendment for florida to add a right to hunt and fish amendment my state has a constitutional right to hunt and fish.
1: Same with Virginia.
0: I was surprised that Florida doesn't have that. Um, but the uh, this piece in the uh, Sun Sentinel said that hunters and anglers, basically you summarized it when, in your message to me, but that we are low IQ far right wingers um, because we are in favor of the constitutional right to hunt and fish in Florida. Low IQ. Now we're, we're responsible for hurting the environment and we are low IQ individuals.
1: We're wanting to put protections (laughs) to allow hunting and fishing, which perpetuate the environment.
0: (laughs) Right.
1: 100%. (laughs) Yeah. I I saw that from my friend, Cyrus Spirit, who I think, you know, as well. and, And many of your listeners might be familiar with Cyrus too. He's a longtime friend of mine and he alerted me to it. And I know a lot of the guys and gals behind this effort to have a constitutional amendment to protect the hunt and fish. And when I read through this, I was like, this editorial board is defaming people I know personally, like good mm-hmm. friends of mine who showed me Florida's conservation model. It's very different and they have a lot of hurdles. Um, they're even facing some obstacles from fellow Republicans in the state. I won't go so much into it, but um, they're even having to uh, wrestle with like-minded people politically to make the case for, let's say, a bear season in Florida or for more hunting opportunities. They but had
0: one. Did you know that?
1: They did have one in the past. I wasn't they had aware one
0: season. Oh, yeah. Somebody killed like a 700-pound bear. This is – I'm going to just throw a number out there. I think it's five years ago. So they had a season. The animal rights yahoos got all up in arms. The season was closed in less than a week because they met the quota. It wasn't a lot of bears, but Mm -hmm. say it was 15, whatever it was. I'm just throwing numbers out here. Um, But they met the quota, and then they were set to have the bear season the next year, and it got shut down just like the grizzly thing um because of the uh you know those who cry the loudest you know uh even though it's not it's based in la la land it's not reality it's uh this fantasy that they're living in um but yeah they got it shut down so they did have a bear season and they need to have another bear season and uh they get these these places like north carolina and florida uh, on these east coast you know um more more temperate climates the bears don't hibernate so they just get we don't have hibernating bears yeah gigantic Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is crazy um but but you know florida also has a bunch of um invasive species that are like the the pythons um iguanas Iguanas. uh peacock bass um all all sorts of uh, aquatic species those things are wrecking havoc in the everglades and uh, you'd think that the animal rights activists would be all up in arms about that but they're not they're probably trying to protect them you know all, all killing of animals is frowned upon but uh but yeah you would think that uh i don't know this it it it, it always amazes me these these headlines that they that they put out when it's regarding hunting and, and conservation but uh
1: did you read through i don't know if you read through the rest of the op-ed but towards the end they were saying that it's going to lead to encroachment of property rights it's going to decimate mm. the environment um despoil water quality back to the Florida, environment yeah <laughs> they're like this hunting and fishing amendment is going to despoil it and i was like the guys i know who are pushing this and have worked behind the scenes to get this measure passed in the legislature believe it or not What the the report, unsurprisingly, failed to underscore was that this passed overwhelmingly as a resolution across both Florida houses. Yes, Florida's legislature leans very majority Republican, but there are Democrats who supported this too, except for one. Um, Even with their Republican majorities, most Democrats, like I said, except for one, supported this joint resolution across both the House and the Senate. So they were saying that, oh, these these lawmakers are trying to appeal to fringe voters who are low IQ. But it was like it took the effort of both Republicans and Democrats like it is the case in in most of these states where these amendments have passed. You have to have bipartisan support. They usually have to pass with a two thirds majority. And a lot of the times, especially in these very divided times, it's really hard to find states with two thirds majority, you know, especially uh, more conservative leaning states sometimes. And even in some conservative states, you don't see an expansion or a passage of right to hunt and fish. Missouri has had a hard time passing a right to hunt and fish, even though there is a supermajority Republican legislature um Iowa not Iowa Ohio um is also deliberating a similar resolution to, i think they had their third hearing and i haven't seen from sportsmen's alliance who is based in Ohio what what they've said about that or any movement there but even red states have a challenge passage, passing this because like i said this information about property rights being encroached upon um this means it's going to invite more poaching it's going to despoil the environment that's complete misinformation i don't think Texas or Virginia has more poaching than other states because we have these amendments in place poaching is a serious crime and and mm-hmm. this doesn't dilute the seriousness of poaching like uh, uh, we're probably going to talk about a story towards the end yeah, of our podcast you guys have
0: a, a big poaching case though. yeah Just we'll to, we'll talk about
1: that a little later yeah. but um this doesn't negate criminal laws um what this does really is to preemptively protect your state with a constitutional amendment from any future Reimagining or future legislative attempts to ban forms of hunting or ban hunting or fishing in totality, as we have seen in different states. It's not a conspiracy, there is a real and pressing threat. Um, more specifically, the, the two individuals your your listeners should be aware of, and maybe you should have my friends on your program, um, Travis Thompson and Mike Elfenbein. Uh, they're they're two of the guys who are leading the efforts of this right to hunt and fish amendment. They're solid, they're extremely intelligent, well-educated guys. They took me on an airboat tour of the so Everglades. Not
0: low IQ right wing. No. <laughs> I mean, they're
1: conservative, you know, they they lean that way. Um, but, but they're, you know, they, no, they that's work just with what everybody. the
0: article basically sums yes. up that we're yes. all low
1: IQ. And, and, and even people, they work with a lot of conservation conservationists and, and those that they have partnered with, a lot of folks are not conservative. They have mm-hmm. worked with Democrats and independents to get this ballot initiative across the line. And so um now it's going to go to because it cleared the threshold. It didn't need a governor's sign off on this. It goes directly to the ballot and it's going to be a very expensive ordeal. These are not cheap endeavors. So. They're going to have to raise a lot of money. They're working with different groups so that they can be competitive enough. So this passes the threshold. I think it needs 60% um, clearing maybe, or maybe a majority vote. I don't know how Florida does it, where do you need like, over 50% or does it have to be 60% of, you know, people on the ballot or 60% of voters rather uh, approving it? Um, so every state is very different in terms of how they approve ballot measures. But mm-hmm. This is a reasonable, like I said, a reasonable I demand. I just voted
0: for one in Texas. Um, so we have the constitutional right to hunt and fish and then we had proposition, was it Prop the state one? park one? No, no. It was uh, the right to farm and ranch.
1: Oh, I didn't know that uh, was just, enshrined. That's had, cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, which... You know, it's again uh, some some of it's animal rights activism, but it was also private. That was more of a private land, like you know, um, municipalities saying that y- you've got thirty acres, but you're within the city limits, and so you better mow that. Well, yeah, I'm trying to grow that so that I can feed my cows. Like, you know, that's my food for the winter for them. So that kind of stuff. So they, uh, you know, we that was a uh, a big uh, amendment here in Texas. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's an uphill battle. Like we, I think that's the underlying theme: is that we are always we're being attacked on all fronts, all mm-hmm. the time, especially
1: in the media. These two recent with, with cases, misinformation.
0: <clears throat> I hate that term too, misinformation. That was also something that times were better when we didn't have the term misinformation but uh this is blatant
1: misinformation is. though right. all of it <laughs> In is this case. It,
0: and, you know it's it's painting us as these simpleton bloodlusting you know individuals
1: neanderthals
0: right but that's the the reality is you're a simpleton if you can't when the the facts you don't even have to do much research the facts are there when mm-hmm. you were too ignorant to look at them and consume them and actually give them pay any credence to them at all you're the epitome of a simpleton. Literally, you can't think for yourself. You're a sheep. When you blindly accept what PETA says as truth, you're an idiot. You literally are a moron. You're wasting oxygen. And unfortunately, those people are breeding. <laughs> but I digress. Let's uh, let's knock out our last break here. We'll come back and talk about the famous Virginia Cemetery buck that showed up in someone's grip and grin. That segment Brought to you by the 2024 SCI Convention, taking place in Nashville, January 31st through February 3rd, the Super Bowl of hunting shows. I will be there uh, all four days. So, uh, And Nashville is such an awesome city. Hope to see you there as the global hunting community will converge in Music City for four awesome days. For more info to get short passes, uh, just head over to safariclub.org. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch, here reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by Hunters 400. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. Thank you for being here. The segment of the show brought to you by the Armacite 640 Contractor. Last week I actually didn't have this thing on a rifle. And I got the 320 on my 6.5 Creedmoor for pigs and coyotes. Need to put this one back on the AR. But uh, I was in the process of switching guns. And so I used this thing. As a monocular, and uh, every time I, I headed into this one spot, where I was chasing this ghost buck, big deer. Um, but they don't—they get big for a reason. So in the mornings, I would use this thing to uh, to scan and make sure, as I'm approaching the setup, that I'm not blowing anything out of there. And of course, one time there was there were, three bucks in there. I didn't know that they were bucks at the time, but I could see the deer. The photos later would tell me that they were bucks. And one of them was him, and uh, they eventually they fed off before the sun came up. But at least I didn't spook them, um, and that was possible because of that thermal optic. And you can find the uh, the 640 and the 320 right there at uh, com. They've also got night vision, so you know depending on your budget, uh, I just I recommend <laughs> those hard to access spots, and we've all got them. Um, but you know there's nothing worse than and kind of well, it'll startle you too when a deer blows at you in the, the pitch dark. Uh, so yeah, don't like that. Don't want that to happen. And uh, this prevents that. Find it at armorsite.com. All right. Well let's uh let's wrap it up here with our good friend Gabriella Hoffman. Let's talk about your your famous buck in Virginia that uh, recently popped up dead in someone's gripping grin. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So for your listeners who are unfamiliar, maybe you guys have seen this beautiful, I think it was a 22, 24 point buck. Mm. It had beautiful times. This was not a farm raised deer. We don't, to my knowledge, have many deer farms. I've never heard of such a deer farm in Virginia. And this beautiful buck was residing in a famous cemetery, the Hollywood Cemetery. And it would also frequent a nearby place called Maypoint Park. So this is near downtown Richmond, Virginia, our state capital. Yeah. And this deer was an urban buck. This is an urban buck naturally having those very elaborate tines. Mm -hmm. And I don't know approximately how old it is. People have been photographing it for at least five, six years. And this one Facebook page, a very popular Virginia white-tailed deer Facebook page received this submission from a guy claiming to have bagged this untypical, non-typical buck. And was told it was harvested in what is known as Prince Edward County. And Prince Edward County, for reference, if you don't know Virginia, I'll make it easier for you. So Prince Edward County is about 70 miles south of Richmond, very okay. far away. And yeah. so when the the gentleman he was writing
0: hard, he was really traveling that book.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like Looking for love. Yeah. Yeah. No. So a little. Yeah. Going back a little bit before we, we talk about geography here. But um, he submitted this to the page, and the, the guy who runs, the moderator who runs the page posted it, and people were like, hey, this is the famous Hollywood Cemetery deer from Richmond. Mm-hmm. What Prince Edward County deer looks like this? There's no such thing. So people were able to put two and two together, yeah. and they realized this was the famous Hollywood Cemetery buck. And It's not g- hard
0: to figure out. He has very, no. very unique uh antlers like and he also has some growth like coming out of the top of his mm-hmm. forehead like I looked at mm-hmm. it one time in the article he sent me and I was like oh my god what a moron Claiming yes. that he <laughs> shot this I mean like people has he been living like under a rock he had to well, he had to know this deer existed he traveled 70 miles to go poach it right
1: indeed yeah it, yeah. it looks to, to be put the case on
0: social media
1: what a moron yeah as especially given the fact that this deer is so heavily tracked by photographers wildlife enthusiasts um, so so you could obviously put the two and two together to be like, yeah, this deer was harvested in a questionable manner. And even more, uh, I would say um, negative to this poacher too. This guy may be in for even a bigger, uh, sorry, a, a bigger penalty than believed because this Hollywood cemetery, if he either poached it from there or Maypoint Park um, or Marymount Park, I forget what the, what the other adjacent park is, but this area where the deer was known to inhabit is actually a national registered historic place and that's mm-hmm. kind of on par with like federal lands you know like a national really? park and if he did poach it from such a you know off-limits place that incurs even a more serious fine than conventional poaching mm-hmm. so yeah. to, to do that and then that's not his only deer That that's an egregious poaching case of course but he is known actually to have harvested two more deer in that same area this off-limits area Um, because he was probably seeing the, oh, you know, this deer, it might be for the taking, you know, I want to do it. And I want to, you know, score these social media points. So he obviously was monitoring where these deer, especially these bucks were um, and, and, and all that. And so it's very to see. I wonder if he shot
0: it at night. Like if he, if it's in an urban area, he said he, he claimed in the, in the outdoor life piece that Mm -hmm. I was reading that he shot it at 20 yards with a muzzle loader. (laughs) <laughs> that's what he said so uh okay well if you're doing that in an urban setting i don't know how big the cemetery or the park are like maybe you could f- shoot a muzzleloader off and nobody would know but it seems like it, it's urban i don't think where... that would
1: be allowed in Urban. you can't use firearms in an urban setting we have mostly archery okay. so i think obviously using the wrong tool of course right or the, the tool that's, that's not allowed away. yeah right yeah um so you would only be able to do I archery but not in night. that specific he probably did. I, I'm really curious to see what the investigation is going to come up with. And my, actually our our uh, wildlife agency got the award for wildlife agency of the year at the most recent mm. Congressional Sportsman Foundation stuff. So they treat these cases very seriously. They want people to hunt. They're not overtaken by anti-hunters yet, knock on wood. I don't mm. think that's going to be the case. We have a great director. I got to meet our natural resources secretary who works for Governor Yunkin. They're great and they love hunting and they support it. And when they have cases like this, they warn the public, and and once they make their estimation and, and conduct their investigation into this, they're going to say that this is not obviously representative of all hunting. This is an egregious case, and they're going to remind yeah, poachers people:
0: hunters are not hunters. They're poachers. exactly
1: yeah, so. So they're funny. they're gonna they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna say like this could hurt the image of hunting, but they'll basically say this is not sportsmanlike behavior. Um, He did it by, you know, he violated this, 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 you know, rule here, there, you know, using the wrong tool in an urban setting, poaching from 70 miles you know, away in in a forbidden federal park-like, you know, setting. And so um, they don't like cases like this because it undermines their efforts and it undermines, you know, our right to hunt and fish because we have these right to hunt and fish amendments. And then someone could say down the road, well... These poachers, they're going into these urban spaces and they're massacring mm-hmm. deer. So why don't yeah, we repeal we, this? That, that is
0: the unfortunate reality is we get yeah. lumped in. Like poaching gets lumped in with hunters, which yep, we all are,
1: the time. Like,
0: that is not the same thing. Like you are literally a criminal if you're poaching. <laughs> yeah. So I don't fancy myself as a criminal. Neither do you, neither do no, I No, I don't want to be
1: in trouble. <laughs>
0: right, right. Yeah, exactly. But also, you know, more than that, like the temptation i think is there for everyone oh, i could shoot this bucket and and it's uh, you know nobody would ever know whether it's uh with the rifle during archery season or whatever no nobody would ever know mm-hmm. but the thing for me that i would be like i could never do it well number one it'd be career ending right but mm-hmm. like, that'd be if you got caught people
1: like, track social media over, they watch
0: number two and the internal thing that i would struggle with the most is if i poached an animal and then I put that animal on my wall, which if I was going to poach it, it better be nice enough to put on the wall. It better be a hell of an animal to make me want to poach it. But then every time I would look at that animal, how could you feel anything other than shame?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, like, and, and and those are like the, that's the thing that I would internally struggle with more than like, of course, the unethical nature of poaching, mm-hmm. which is all, I mean, there's so many components to it, but knowing that I was unethical, I cheated other hunters and then I could never be like, Oh dude, you got to come see this great buck that I shot. Like if, if someone was at my house to watch the cowboy game or whatever, I couldn't show that off and be proud of it because I would know I poached it. So especially so this me, that's like, cemetery deer. Yeah. But
1: could you imagine this guy had mounted this buck and yeah. then someone will be like, dude, this is the Hollywood cemetery deer. Like then he would eventually be caught even though yeah. he was stupid enough to submit the picture <laughs> to the social media page. Mm. Um, but it, it's not a gratifying feeling and there's so many deer like i said there's a million deer in virginia you can find a nice buck here we're not as big as or our buck are not as big as like iowa missouri maybe you know some of these other states in the midwest who have or pennsylvania who have trophy bucks you know in in the truest sense yeah that's very rare this was a rare rare rare. buck it should have been you know kind of left to its own devices i i was fine with it and because it just inhabited this cemetery as a sanctuary place like like we are taught We don't have to hunt everything in our sight and you don't have to be so eager to hunt, let's say something so unique like this, unless it was sick and it was lawfully done, you know, in an area, not in the city, maybe if you Mm. truly found it like a few miles away in an area where it was, you know, able to do it. But this deer was just known to be there. And I don't think it traveled very far from the cemetery or the adjacent park. Because
0: he knew right where to go to kill it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly.
0: He's looking at this thing on social media and be like, all right, where was the last photo taken? I'm going to go there Uh. and kill it um as we wrap things up here gabby are you going to be at sci in nashville
1: i will i'll get to join you guys again i hope we can do another podcast that was a lot of fun
0: absolutely yeah
1: so So i will be there the the second to the third of february
0: and the uh the event is january 31st through the third it's four days in nashville it was an awesome event last year it's going to be even better this year nashville is such a cool town um so i look forward to seeing you there
1: yes look forward to catching up
0: then I want to uh, tell folks to check out your District of Conservation podcast as Please. well. and uh, And where can folks follow you on social media?
1: Oh, a lot of places, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, of course. I have YouTube. Um, I also was just promoted to director of our Center for Energy and Conservation, where I am pushing these sportsmen's issues to women more so. Um, So I I now lead our center at Independent Women's Forum, and it's a great outfit. So follow my work there. Like I said, that's where we chimed in on this uh, suppressor tax reform bill. And I've been putting out letters in support of the right to hunt and fish in Ohio and a few other places. So I'm going to be even upping the ante of my support awesome. of our sportsmen, fellow sportsmen and women. I still have a Conservation Nation video series with the Committee for Constructive Tomorrow, who also sponsors my podcast. So I'm all over the place. And now I have even even bigger role. I think that I can help fill the void and push our issues out there more.
0: Well, congrats on that front. Thank you. Awesome stuff. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in Nashville.
1: Can't wait till Nashville. Thank you, Cable.
0: So there she goes, our longtime friend, Gabby Hoffman, and uh, certainly someone who has their finger on the pulse of uh, what's going on in Washington, D.C., as far as uh, things that might affect you and I in a negative way. That segment of the show brought to you by the Mossberg Patriot ruggedly, reliably American-built rifles at a price that isn't going to break the bank. I've got a safe full of them. Absolutely love them. You can find uh, every caliber from a .22, 250 up to a three seventy-five Ruger right there at Mossberg.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, next week, Robbie Kroger of Blood Origins will be here looking forward to that. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying happy new year and y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Where you sleep all day and the catfish play on blue Bayou.